0: Hi and welcome to Dragon Bites, the podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Massim, uh, one of the paediatric trainees currently working in Wales. This week's episode is back to revision. Sophie Constantinou is going to walk us through the cardiovascular examination for any of you who are about to sit there MRCPCH clinicals. She's then going to focus in on common pathology you might see in the cardiovascular station and give you some ideas as to how to interpret those findings. So, let's get started.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Sophie and welcome to this revision podcast for the MRCPCH Clinical Exam. Episode one is on the cardiovascular station. So each week, we focus on one potential station in the clinical exam, and this week is cardio. As always, we are going to start with our top tips. After that, we're gonna go over the structure of the clinical exam itself. Then we're gonna focus down on some key areas of the cardiovascular examination, which this week are clubbing, hand and heart abnormalities, the pulse, scars and heaves, thrills and the apex beat. You can actually test your knowledge with our pub quiz episode on the cardio exam, as well as download a PDF of the key points from this episode on the website. So what are our top tips for the cardio exam? Number one, be opportunistic. You might walk into the station and find that your your patient is becoming upset. Make sure that you have a listen to the heart at the beginning of the station but just tell the examiner what you are doing and why. Number two, try to find a friendly cardiology reg to critique your examination while you're preparing for the exam. Number three, make sure that you palpate both sides of the chest for the apex beat. And number four, keep an open mind. Don't narrow down your differential diagnosis too quickly. Okay, so let's go over the structure of the cardio exam. We're going to start from the beginning, i.e. from a general inspection, but remember that in the exam, they may only ask you to focus on one or two aspects of the exam. So for example, they might say, please listen to this heart, please auscultate the chest, so just make sure that you're doing what's asked of you. For all the stations, if you don't know what the examiner is asking, just check with them as you don't want to be led down the wrong road. Remember that each clinical station is nine minutes long and you have six minutes to examine the patient. To start, wiper. Wash your hands, introduce yourself, ask for permission from the patient and the parent, expose the patient, which for the cardio exam should be from the waist up, and reposition the patient to 45 degrees. Next up is the traditional inspection, palpation, percussion, and auscultation with the caveat that you wanna consider auscultating first if your patient is little or becoming upset, but just mention to the examiner what you are doing and why. Then have a look around the room. Are there any oxygen saturation probes and is there any supplemental oxygen? Then have a look at your patient from the end of the bed and what you want to look for in the cardio station are their general color, are they pink, Or are they pale and cyanosed? Do they have any obvious evidence of dysmorphism? Are they small for their age? And at rest, do they have any increased work of breathing? Then step closer and have a look at the hands. And I tend to inspect the hands and palpate at the same time. So I'm palpating to see if they're cool or warm. And then I'm looking at the nails closely for clubbing and splinter hemorrhages. I ask the patient to turn their hands over and inspect for Osler's notes. So then you're gonna work your way from the hand up the arm to the face. So first you're palpating the radial pulse and remember that at the radial pulse you palpate for rate and rhythm. At the brachial pulse, moving up, you're palpating for character and then you're palpating the carotid for character as well. Don't feel with your thumb for pulses as some examiners don't like that and your fingertips are just as good. So you've worked your way from the hand up the arm and you're next having a look at your patient's face. Do you see any obvious signs of dysmorphism? Have a look in the eyes for conjunctival pallor and then ask the patient to open their mouth. So I tend to ask the patient to open their mouth and first inspect for dental caries. Then I ask them to stick their tongue out and put their tongue to the roof of their mouth and inspect underneath the tongue for central cyanosis. Remember that central cyanosis is only really apparent when the SATs are less than 85%. So you've inspected from the hands up to the face and now you're moving down to the precordium and inspection continues. So firstly, you're looking for any chest wall deformities. You're looking for any scars and you're also looking to see whether you can see any visible impulses, i.e. a visible apex beat or heave. So with inspection, I tend to ask the patients to put their hands in the air and look in the axilla. I sit the patient forward and look for scars on their back as well. So then finally, you're at palpation. So it's really important, like I mentioned earlier, to palpate bilaterally for the apex beat and then to palpate for heaves and thrills. We're gonna skip percussion because we don't do that in the cardio exam, and then we're moving on to auscultation. So auscultation in the cardiovascular exam is in the aortic, pulmonary, tricuspid, and mitral regions. But remember that in pediatrics, it's sometimes easier to refer to these as the upper right sternal border, upper left sternal border, lower left sternal border, and the apex. And that's just a reflection on the fact that kids with cardiovascular abnormalities Often they're congenital and their hearts might not fit into the descriptive categories of the aortic, pulmonary, tricuspid and mitral regions. So it's better to use descriptive terms instead. So then you're auscultating and we'll do a whole podcast on murmurs so I won't go into detail about that now. And then you're completing your examination. So at this point, I would usually palpate for hepatomegaly palpate the femorals bilaterally, auscultate the lung bases and check for peripheral and sacral edema. If I've seen a scar on one side of the chest that looks like a thoracotomy scar and when I'm palpating the femorals I palpate a difference between them, I would then go and palpate for brachiofemoral delay. I wouldn't usually do that routinely. So then to finish, you thank the patient, wash your hands, Take your stethoscope off and then turn to the examiner quite formally and say to complete my examination i would like to measure the heart rate blood pressure oxygen saturations and plot the height and weight on an appropriate chart in this section you could name anything that you didn't manage to fit into the examination as well so that leaves you with three minutes for the examiner to ask you questions and then that's it you're moving on to the next station okay so that completes the structure of the cardiovascular exam Next up is our focus on sections. So our first section this week is a focus on clubbing. Clubbing is the loss of the angle of the nail bed. In paediatrics, a good way of checking is by asking the child to point their fingers in the air, then point their fingers down, and then put their fingers together. Don't forget that you need six months of low oxygen saturations over which to develop clubbing, And so that means that if the patient has had surgery recently, they may look pink to you, but they might still be clubbed, as it might not have had the time to resolve yet. Check out the companion worksheet for a picture of the four stages of clubbing. And if you don't know what I mean by asking the child to put their fingers in the air and put their fingers down, have a look on the London Deanery MRCPCH Clinical Revision website, as they've got some excellent videos there under the cardiovascular tab, which show lots of candidates doing this with children and it's a really good icebreaker as well. Next up is a focus on hand and heart defects. So sometimes the hands will give you a clue as to the underlying diagnosis of a syndrome. Some important ones to remember are number one, short fourth and fifth fingers or hypoplastic nails in Turner syndrome. Number two, a single palmar crease in trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. Number three, arachnodactyly in Marfan syndrome. And number four, radial abnormalities such as an absent radius or thumb in Vactoral syndrome. Just to go over the point again, make sure that when you get down to auscultation that you're listening with an open mind. Don't make the mistake of narrowing down your differential diagnosis too quickly. What I mean by this is that you may inspect the hands, see a single palmar crease, go up to the face and see facial features consistent with trisomy 21. And then by the time you're at auscultation, you're thinking this patient's gonna have an AVSD. But remember that children with trisomy 21 might actually have a whole different range of cardio problems and they might have an ASD or a VSD. So don't bias your thinking and make sure that you keep an open mind. Our next focus on section is focus on the pulse. So you've all done paediatrics for a while now, so you know that the resting heart rate in paediatrics gets slower as the child gets older. If you don't have the time in the exam to count the heart rate over a full minute, which you probably won't, make sure that you include it in your speech at the end. The pulse character is also really important and it's something that we don't practise every day. For example, one, a collapsing pulse aortic regurgitation or a persistent ductus arteriosus, make sure that you've gone over the correct way of checking for a collapsing pulse. Number two, a thready pulse in heart failure. Number three, an asymmetrical pulse post coarctation repair. And number four, a slow rising pulse in aortic stenosis. As I mentioned, the best place to assess pulse character is centrally So, at the carotid or the femoral. But if the patient isn't going to let you examine there, try the brachial. It isn't good practice to palpate for character at the radial pulse. Another important point about the pulse is that in a baby, it probably isn't worth palpating the radial pulse. So, just go straight for the brachial. And then, our final note on the pulse is just think that it's unlikely that you would be seeing a patient pre coarctation repair but that pre and post cooctation repair you may find discrepancies in the pulse between the upper and lower limbs so our next focus on section is focus on scars so the main scars that you're likely to see are probably going to be visible on the chest wall itself but don't forget that a patient who has had ECMO may have scars in the neck. Scars in the groin may be due to previous cardiac catheterization attempts. And chest strains may be inserted routinely post-op or due to complications, and they may be found under the arms. A cardiac pacemaker or reveal device may be inserted into the left pectoral region as in adults, but in babies they might not be placed there as they don't fit. We've seen one patient with a pacemaker in the abdomen. Just make sure that if you see an unusual scar, palpate around and underneath it as you might find a pacemaker in the cardio station. But the main three scars that you're likely to see in the cardio station are on the chest wall itself. So they are namely, number one, a median stenotomy scar. A median stenotomy scar is evidence of open heart surgery and that's all, and most probably that the patient had been placed on a bypass machine. A number of different operations could have been carried out through a midline stenotomy scar and if the scar looks particularly messy, this may imply that the scar has been reopened at some point. A little tip about a messy looking scar is if you see a messy scar and then when you auscultate you don't hear a murmur, think that this could be underlying hyperplastic left heart syndrome and the procedure may have been the Norwood procedures. Number two, a left thoracotomy scar. So, operations through a left-sided incision correct problems on the left side of the heart. These are namely a coarctation repair, ligation of a PDA or PA banding. Number three, a right-sided thoracotomy scar. Tracheoesophageal fistula repairs are done through right-sided thoracotomy scars. Things that can be done through either a right or a left-sided thoracotomy incision are a modified BT shunt or a right or left lobectomy. So to summarize that section, remember to inspect in the neck, in the groin. For scars in unusual regions, make sure that you palpate underneath them to see if there's a pacemaker there. And then remember your three main scars, median stenotomy, left thoracotomy and right thoracotomy. Our next focus on section is focus on heaves, thrills, and the apex beat. So I've mentioned already how important it is to palpate bilaterally for the apex beat. Approach the patient with both hands and remove your hand from the place where you don't feel an impulse. This is because that patients with dextrocardia are usually really well, and therefore they're able to be called to come into the clinical exam. If you don't palpate both sides, you might miss it, and that might lead to you not passing the station. So remember that the normal site of the apex beat is the fourth to fifth intercostal space in the midclavicular line on the left. And when you're palpating for the apex, you're palpating firstly for the position, but also for the character. So the apex beat may be forceful in a cardiac myopathy, and it might be feeble if the patient has heart failure. Displacement of the apex beat happens if the heart is enlarged and dilated. And remember that in cardiac myopathy, if the heart is not dilated, then the apex beat will be in its correct position. So then let's talk about heaves. So a heave is basically a palpable right ventricular impulse. And it just means that the pressures in the right side of the heart are high and I'm sure you all know that a thrill is a palpable murmur. As I mentioned earlier, there's going to be a whole episode on murmurs coming to you from the team, so make sure you check back for that on the website. So that's the end of our focus on sections for this week. Just to go over our top tips for the cardio exam. Number one, be opportunistic. If your patient is becoming upset, have a listen to the heart at the start of the station but tell the examiner what you are doing and why. Number two, see if you can find a cardiology registrar to critique your examination when you're preparing for the exam. Number three, make sure that you palpate bilaterally for the apex beat and not miss dextrocardia. And number four, keep an open mind. Don't narrow down your differential diagnosis too quickly. So that's it for today. My thanks to Dragon Bites for hosting this podcast. Check out the London School of Paediatrics MRCPCH videos and download the PEDZ app for more info on cardiac conditions. The PEDZ app's really good for day to day clinical practice as well. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts and download the companion worksheet from the Dragon Bites website for more info on this episode and test your knowledge with our pub quiz. Thanks all for listening and see you next time for more MRCPCH revision.
0: And that's the end of this week's episode from Sophie Constantinou. A big thank you to her for recording that for us. And that would have been really helpful for me when I was sitting my exams a while ago and hopefully it'll be helpful for all of you too. Just to briefly summarise what we've gone through today, Sophie's covered the entire cardiovascular examination ready for that station in the clinicals. She's also done five focus on areas. First, she focused on clubbing, then hand and heart defects, then the pulse then scars and finally finished it off with heaves thrills and the apex beat hopefully that's been a lot of really useful information there for you if you want more information please download the pdf for this podcast off our website www.dragonbitespodcast.com if you head there not only will you find information for this episode you'll find our previous episodes as well as information for those too, and more information about upcoming episodes Please join us next week when Stacey Harris will be interviewing one of our local paediatric renal consultants, Raj Krishnan, about the nephrotic syndrome. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.